Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, January 18th. We are here live. We're hoping technology holds out today. We are still in a uh, kind of a weather apocalypse out here in Oregon. Our internet, our, uh, our regular fiber internet here in the studio has been out for several days. I have no idea when we might get that back. We are running on a Starlink system with another Starlink uh, as a backup. So we'll see how all that works out. I am also testing a, um, another broadcast system on my end with no mixing board. So this was the ultimate goal to get down to the point where we could do the show without a board. We could do the show either just from a laptop alone or even from an iPad, which will be the next step. Once I get this laptop system figured out with no other audio equipment involved, I'll start working on a iPad version. Our, uh, our software is coming along nicely. We uh, are hoping to start beta testing that by the end of this month. Um, so we'll see how the technology holds out today. Yesterday we did have some, some issues. Not really sure what happened yesterday. I wasn't able to figure it out, but uh, we'll see how things go today. We've got some calls already, so I'll find out. That's the next step. Uh, I know you can hear me right now. I'm just wondering if the phones are going to work or not. We will check that out here in just a couple minutes. Today is a free-for-all. We've only got an hour. We are going to try to do rolling toe in the next hour as well. Pick up the phone and join me, 319-527-6791, or hit the call button on your app and you will be in here we can talk about anything you want today i do have a couple topics that i want to talk about and then we will uh we'll get to your calls the first one i want to talk about um we've been talking about this topic a lot actually two topics and it's time to start looking at these together uh there are a lot of groups out there right now that are pushing for more and more broker transparency. They want, uh, they want the brokers to be forced to show you rates. And uh, I'm totally against that. I think our system right now is just fine. Doesn't need any working on. At the same time, that some of those same groups that are fighting for broker transparency are also fighting for the PRO Act. And the PRO Act in trucking is basically AB5 at a federal level. AB5 in California is already law, and now they're pushing for it at a federal level. What AB5 means in trucking is that the PRO Act, just like AB5, would make it illegal to lease to a carrier if you owned a truck. The ABC test is what they're pushing for. Currently, we use the 21 question test from the IRS to determine if somebody is an independent contractor or not. I will say in general that that test allows almost anybody to be an independent contractor as long as they own some equipment. That seems to be the big factor. The, the, the company hiring the independent contractor has always been allowed to exert quite a bit of control over the business and still call them independent contractors. That's been the government's ruling for the last 40 years I've been in this industry. If you own 
or even rent or lease the equipment, you have a very good chance in the IRS 21 question test of being determined to be an independent contractor. And that system has worked really well for 40 some years. I I don't know why we need to change it. A lot of people will point to the lease purchase programs and say, well, those are illegal. They're really not. The IRS says, look, they, they, at this moment, they control that equipment. They may not own it, but they have a contract to lease it or rent it. And that's enough. They are bringing their own equipment. And for the most part, that's been the major criteria. Now that's the IRS. Now the Department of Labor wants to rewrite those rules. The, the Trump era rules were, were very favorable towards using independent contractors. The Biden administration rules that the Department of Labor is pushing right now would make it almost the opposite, that the government could argue many businesses would, would not be legal anymore under this ruling. I'm not even sure I really understand the big issue here. The more I think about this, the less I understand it. I'm trying to determine how they're figuring out that somebody is an independent contractor and not just an independent business. I don't even really understand that. If I go into business, nobody hires me. I just decide that I'm going to go into business and then I find somebody to contract with. I don't know how we distinguish between I just own an independent business or I'm an independent contractor. What they're trying to do, though, is stop one business from contracting with another business. I think what what will end up happening here is businesses will only be allowed to interact with the end user. The, the person paying for the services. Uh, so for example, to, to use it, something other than trucking, if, I, uh, if I'm a drywall installer, I can go contract with Home Depot and Home Depot then finds work for me. Somebody comes in, needs a room drywalled or painted or whatever, they can buy that service through the Home Depot, and that goes for carpeting, windows, doors, siding, painting, just about every type of home service you can go contract through, like Lowe's and Home Depot. They use independent contractors. I, I don't understand why that's a problem, but it is. Now, in trucking, it seems like the solution is go get your own authority and become a carrier. Now, If I'm a one truck carrier and I decide to lease exclusively to C.H. Robinson as a brokerage and I don't have to sign a contract saying that, I can just choose to only get my loads through C.H. Robinson. But I'm wondering if they're even going to crack down on that because I don't see the difference. I, I don't see the difference between saying I'm an independent contractor and leasing to Landstar, the trucking company, or I go get my own authority and get all my work through Landstar, the brokerage. I, I don't understand the difference. So I'm, I'm afraid that at some point they may even try to crack down on that. So if you look at these two issues together, it really starts to become interesting. Um, if we can't lease to a carrier, 
And these groups that don't want us to be able to lease to a carrier are also fighting brokers on all kinds of issues. What are they thinking? If we take the hundreds of thousands of owner operators that are currently leased to carriers and their only way to stay in business is to get their own authority, what's going to happen to the brokerage world? It's going to explode. We're going to have so many new brokers in the industry. How could we not? These hundreds of thousands of owner-operators can't get their own freight. Some might. Some will get some of their own freight directly from shippers. But that's not easy. It's why brokers exist. So if the PROAC goes through and you can't lease to a carrier anymore, the biggest winners are the brokers, the way I see it. I don't see any other way that this is going to work. Now, I've been looking at this hard for several years because we've been dealing with both of these issues for quite a while now. I've been getting prepared. I can see a huge advantage for where we're sitting right now. This, this certainly isn't going to hurt my bottom line. We have put everything in place to help that transition from leased owner-operator to getting your own authority. We are going to make it as easy as a franchise program. You just turn the key and you're in business. We have all the pieces all put together to take a a leased owner-operator, get them their own authority, an entire package, the business is set up for you just like a franchise. The difference is, unlike a franchise where you don't get to make any choices, you get to make all the choices here. We've put the package together. You can choose to use the whole package the way it is. It's nice and simple, but you can go do anything you want. There's no contract here. There's no... We get to decide who you're going to use for your BOC3 or none of that. We just put a package together and say, here's a really great way to run this business with your own authority and everything's been done for you, but you get to decide. That's what we're working on. And if, if this stuff goes through, uh, I imagine we could be pretty busy with a program like this. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't happening. But if it's going to happen, I'm going to make sure we're in a good position to take advantage of it. And I'll be able to help other people take advantage of this as well. You know, there's a, a Overdrive just did a, a good article. I posted it. I didn't get it up on the tribes yet. I'll get that done here in a little bit um, about broker margins and um, <clears throat> really good data on this. The data actually comes from DAT. Um, the, the, um, one of their analysts over there did a kind of a deep dive into this and looked at it from multiple different data sets. And basically the same thing we've been saying for years and years and years is that broker margins run right around 15%. They have for as long as I can remember. And uh, the only way I see that changing is if the PRO Act manages to go through. Uh, So just to give you some numbers, um, flatbed brokers came out with the highest average margin of more than 15%. Reefer at almost 14% and Drive-In at 13%. Um, so flatbed was 15.1, um, right there at 15%. Refrigerated was 13.8 and drive in the lowest margins of all right at 13%. So if you take the average of all of them, it's 13 and a half percent margins on loads. 
that that is normal it's consistent it's been that way for decades and it it really doesn't change much the percentages go up maybe a point or two or down a point or two but this is consistent see the free market works the free market does not allow any business to just really create much bigger margins than anybody else in the industry it doesn't work It doesn't allow any industry to get margins that are too big. So I don't know what the the end game is to force all this broker transparency. In fact, I would predict that if they force broker transparency, the rates are going to go down. There's no good to come from this. So I'm just shocked that we have so many groups in trucking and so many um, individual owner operators that I've talked to that really believe both of these things should happen. We should have more broker transparency. They should have be forced to show us their rates and we should not be allowed to lease to carriers. That would make for a very interesting trucking industry. Um, like I said, we're ready. We'll, uh, we'll make this work either way. All right, I had some other stuff. We're gonna get to some phone calls. I wanna make sure I don't run out of time today. We've only got an hour and then we'll head on into rolling toes. So jump in and join us. 319-527-6791. Let's go to North Dakota. Al, welcome to the program. Hello, Gavin. How are you hey doing there. out there? Ice fishing or what? Uh, boy, you wouldn't even be able to ice fish here unless you had a pretty serious uh, engine-powered auger. You're just not getting through this ice. No, okay. Anyway, my problem is I had cancer about 12 years ago. They say I'm cancer-free now, but I don't let them do any more of them tests where they shoot stuff in the, you know, radioactive stuff. I don't, I just don't do it no more. Okay. But my ferritin levels are way too high. My iron is good. Everything's good except my ferritin. My ferritin is over 1,200. So what are the doctors telling you right now? See a hematologist. That's all they know. That's all they're telling me. Oh, so you're, you're, the doctors that are treating you are telling you they don't know what to do. They just want to refer you out to hematologist. Right. right. Yeah, they don't know what to do. Don't have a clue. When was the first yeah, time they, they diagnosed you, this? You, uh, about a year and a half ago. Maybe two years at the most. And are you having any symptoms? No, I feel good. I go trucking every day. I'm 73 years old. I, I run coast to coast, water to water, and... Uh, no, I feel good. Yeah, so I, I don't know that I would do a whole lot with this ferritin. It, it, if you wanted to do something, it would require more extensive blood testing. Uh, right. One of the things you can always do, and, and just to see how it would affect, because again, we're talking about the difference between high iron and high ferritin, two different things. You did claim you have normal right. iron, right? Right, right. But okay. I used to be real low on iron. So then they gave me infusions of iron, and I suppose I had about six of them, but now all of a sudden my iron's good, but my ferritin is just way too high. So tell me about your diet. Oh, I eat whatever I want. I'm, I'm, well, I, then, I, how, how often I, do you, how I, often, I do, wait, wait, how often do you listen to this show? Well, I used to listen to it all the time when you were on the radio, but I just finally figured out how to do it on my phone. 
So in all the time listening to me, every time I'm talking to somebody about health and I ask them what their diet is and they tell me, well, I eat whatever, or the standard American diet, what's, what's my answer every time? I'm not supposed to do that. But I, well, well I hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I don't ever say you're not supposed to do that. I don't care what people eat. I don't try to tell people what uh-huh. to eat. My answer is, if you're going to eat the standard American diet, don't call me. I have no answers for anybody who isn't willing to make the big change in their diet because I I don't know what's going to work. I don't see anything that works. If you eat the standard American Uh diet, you're going to be sick. Everybody I know that eats the standard American diet is sick. They're not healthy, and they will fight things like this. Cancers, autoimmune conditions, metabolic conditions, this, they go hand in hand with the standard American diet. And I tell people, if you're going to eat the standard American diet, you might as well just go to the standard American doctors and deal with the standard American drugs and the standard American diseases. All sad. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. And I went to a homeopathic doctor. No, not home. The doctor you said we were supposed to go to. I went to one just down the road from you a little bit further, a little bit east, in a nice new building. And he put me on that diet, the keto diet, I believe. But I lost so much weight that I, I couldn't do that. That didn't work. So what, 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 was the, the what, what was the functional medicine doctor's answer for keto caused you to lose too much weight what was his solution he didn't have one he just said go back to eat what you were eating before because you cannot afford to lose any more weight boy that but I, I, it all come back pretty good you know according to him what he said well i can't imagine a functional medicine doctor just giving up and saying go back to the standard american diet that's a really bad functional medicine doctor. Maybe you should try again. I can, I can tell you exactly what you're going to get with a standard doctor. And if you're going to eat the diet, then just stick with them and take their advice. Because I don't, I don't have any advice for you if you want, keep eating the way you're going to eat. What? You, you were talking over me. I didn't hear you. Al? Oh, boy. Since the radiation. I, I, I lost you. I think we lost your phone signal. You're back now. Say that again. I said I'm, I'm, I'm only 125 pounds now. So I need to... If Al, you're, uh, we are losing you. I'm going to put you back on hold and see if maybe we can recover that I, line. I don't... Um, I'm going to take another call. Morgan, if you could check with Al and see if we can get that line a little more stable and I'll try to come back to him. Let's go to Wisconsin. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Hey, I just want to let everybody know, I'm not sure what's going on with our phone system, but we just lost that call and some others. So we've got open lines right now, 319-527-6791. It is Destination Health all day. Jump in and join me. Um, no, it's not destiny. What am I thinking? That was yesterday. Uh, it's a free-for-all today. You can talk about anything you want. Jump in and join us. All right, Jeff, we're looking at an oil sample, correct? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, this is the truck that I had you look at the ECM report last Friday. Got it. Um, all right. So you're looking at buying this truck, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, we've got a DD-15. What year is this? 
We've got 625,000 miles on the engine and about 17,000 on this oil sample. And I would say that this is a very, very clean truck, um, tuned and running well. I can't see a single problem with this. Okay. Now, so that, iron, that iron, is- I, iron might be a tad high. I don't get too concerned with iron these days. Uh, there are more and more people running catalyst. I don't know if this truck was running catalyst or not, but that's one of the ways we see the iron go up. But even in general, higher iron numbers don't seem to correlate to any problems on these newer engines. Oh, is that right? And that's not a really high number. I mean, it's higher than what I would expect. But here's the other thing. I'm not really seeing any other wear metals. So this doesn't really concern me at all. If there was some sort of an issue um, with the oil that was causing this, we would see it across the board. Uh, a lot of your wear metals are zero, really low. Uh, the, what, the copper is nothing to worry about because your lead is zero. So I, I don't see a problem with this at all. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was just wondering because... So my last truck had ISX in it, but I was using Catalyst in that too. But that started, uh, you know, that was getting into the 50s and 60s parts per million on the iron there. And I was using oil like crazy. But so I just kind of want to. If you are concerned about oil consumption and you can get, um, if, if you're allowed to take this truck to a shop or have somebody go out there, you could do a manometer test, which tests crankcase pressure, which tells us the condition of the rings and the liners. But I, I don't think it's necessary. We just don't see these engines use okay. oil, and this is not enough wear to worry about. Okay. Well, good. Good deal, because it's a nice truck, nice and clean, and and uh, I'll be smoking it or nothing, and it's, uh, they're hard to find like that. It, it, it is, and this, is, this oil sample tells me that this engine is tuned well and it's running well, and that's usually a pretty good sign when it comes to emissions. Good deal. Good deal. guess that's all the, all the questions I got for you. All right. Good stuff. Thanks I don't know what's going on with phone calls today. Uh, I don't know if it's an issue with our phone system, if people just aren't calling. Uh, We had a couple calls, we lost a couple, and now the board is just empty. So if you want to jump in and join me, 319-527-6791. We are continuing on with our winter apocalypse here in Oregon. I have never seen anything quite like what we're dealing with right now. So last Friday it started... Um, we started getting snow last Friday, then we got crazy high winds. So we had big drifts. It wasn't even enough to worry about like shoveling your driveway because most of my front driveway was completely bare. My back driveway was bare, except I had like a four foot snow drift running right down the middle of the driveway. We have, we have these weird wind conditions in the back driveway there and it drifts like crazy, but it wasn't really affecting me getting in and out of the driveway and we had a lot going on. So I didn't shovel or get out there with the snowblower. Um, since Friday, we have gotten lots of precipitation in every form that it could come out of the sky. We've had snow, we've had sleet, we've had freezing rain and we've had rain since Friday and it's gone back and forth. 
We've gone from single-digit temperatures and crazy high winds. Now we're up in the high 20s. We got up into the mid-30s yesterday, and everything started to thaw. They finally came by in our neighborhood and plowed the streets. I wish they wouldn't have. They actually made things worse because now I am looking at cars that are just buried on the street. People's driveways are blocked, and the stuff out at the end of the driveway is solid ice. I couldn't break through it with a, with a dirt shovel, much less a snow shovel. It's so hard. Um, the FJ has nice clearance, and I put chains on it, so I was able to kind of make a path in and out of the driveway and so we can get out with... Uh, the Range Rover does really good in this stuff, but it, it doesn't have the kind of ground clearance. So we can get both of our vehicles out. I made sure of that this morning, but uh, I'm looking at a lot of people that probably could not get out of their driveway if they had to. And the snow is still coming down. Now it is snow. The We probably have, if I had to guess, it's hard to figure right now. I would guess that we've got 10 inches on the ground in most places. But when you walk on it, you walk on top of it and you don't even leave a mark. That's how frozen solid it is. And now we're getting snow on top of that. I haven't been out to the farm for 36 hours, so I don't know what's going on out there, but I'm going to have to try to get out there this afternoon. Uh, it's been a little crazy. I imagine that um, we're going to see the effects of this in the supply chain. We're not getting deliveries. Uh, yesterday, we weren't able to get to the warehouse at all. I doubt that anybody's going into the warehouse today. We might try to get down there a little bit later, but it's, it's still looking pretty crazy here uh, weather-wise. All right, let's get to some phone calls. They're starting to come in. Keep dialing. We'll, uh, we've got another 30 minutes. It is a free-for-all, 319-527-6791. Let's head north of the border. Steve, what's on your mind this morning? Kevin, thanks for taking my call. Uh, uh, I'm starting a carnivore diet, uh, six years old, and uh, I was in a routine. I, you know, I, I bought a small farm 30 years ago, and it's got bigger and bigger. And I had 20-pound wind every time the summer came because I was working and everything was fine. And, and now that I've retired and older, I, the, the weight just doesn't come off, so I started a carnivore. And started on December 11th. And I'm just not sure um, if I'm on the right track or not. Well, what are your results so far? Well, basically, just checking on my phone, I didn't know water weight comes off, apparently. So the first month, I'm, uh, let's just check here. So December 11th, I was 230 on the 30th, of June, and I basically stalled there now for the last so say that again your your phone is doing something weird it's clipping the beginning and end of every sentence and i'm having a hard time what is your current weight now that you're stalled at i'm at 14 started at 230 on december 11th and you're at 214 yeah oh that's excellent i mean and stalls aren't okay. just, aren't unusual in fact in the beginning, for some reason, a stall seems to be very, very common. 
There's a couple things we can try to get past the stall, or sometimes we just tell people to wait it out and it works and we're not sure why. Um, one of the things we see cause a stall on a keto or carnivore diet is digestive issues. If you're not digesting your fat properly, if your stomach acid's weak, if, if we have digestive issues, that can cause a stall. It's why we have so many different digestive kits and why we talk about it so much, because we immediately identified that that was one of the biggest reasons we would see people stall. And I've also seen people stall, like I said, I just tell them, just wait it out and let's see what happens. And all of a sudden, the weight starts coming off again. Most of the time, we can't even explain it. The other thing that can do it is stress. And the stress seems to affect people that have been doing this for years and years, uh, more so than people in the beginning. Usually, if stress is going to be a problem, you will have a hard time getting into ketosis at all or losing that weight initially. Um, so I'm thinking that yours may just be one of those that we're not going to be able to figure out. We just have to wait it out or it is digestive. How do you feel like your digestion is working? Uh, well, in the beginning, I like the fourth or fifth day I had, uh, you know, cramping and, and about to diarrhea. And then that, I went into nothing. I, I mean, no movements at all significantly for time at all and then it started in the hit and miss ever since so i, I feel like uh and there's ever a toilet paper sheet, i won't have a problem so and that's fairly common in carnivore what i would tell you is to increase both your water and your salt intake that usually takes care of this okay and and i would also say that that's probably why we're seeing this stall because your digestion is kind of stalled so how do I know if I'm getting enough fat? Um, eat more and see if things get better. That's the best way I know of to, to find that upper limit of fat. Um, for me, one of the things that I'll do if, I, if I've got a really busy day and I don't want to worry about food, uh, two cups of, of NDK coffee in the morning, which is like a total of eight tablespoons of fat. Okay. All right, um, we, uh, we're dealing with a, a user error again. I had a guest scheduled for today, and with everything going on this week with the weather, I forgot to inform the team about it. So we're trying to get them in. Let's, uh, we can just continue on with this, though. Uh, Steve, go ahead. Say that again. No, I, just, I was just concerned about how do I know if we get enough fat, and you mentioned about coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't drink tea or coffee. Okay, that's have. that's. That's fine. We don't need to do it in coffee or a liquid, but just add more fat. I mean, there are times where I will eat straight butter. It, it, it will kill your appetite. It gives you energy. If The only way I know to know whether we're getting enough fat, other than me telling you you've got to weigh your food and tell me exactly how much you're eating of this and, and take a picture so I can see how fatty that cut of meat was, it's hard to measure the amount of fat that we're eating. And I don't want people to start, you know, obsessing over measuring and weighing food. Just add more fat, put more butter on everything, get fattier cuts of meat. You know, any place you can add fat to your diet, go ahead and add it and see if you feel better. And many times the, the fat 
is for me, and there seems to be a little bit of a difference with some people. Some people are more satiated with protein. That kind of kills their appetite. Some people are more satiated with fat. For me, it's fat. If I eat too much lean protein, I'm hungry all the time, and I just keep eating. Not that I gain any weight, because as long as I keep eating lean protein, I don't really gain any weight, but I'm hungry all the time. When I start adding more fat to that protein, then my appetite I can go a day easily without eating. It just doesn't bother me at all. So the only way I know to know whether it's enough fat is just keep adding more and see what the results are. Okay. All right. And if I if it too much, what's the result of that? Uh, nausea. You'll actually start to feel a little nauseous if you're eating too much fat. You won't be able to digest it. So you'll see... Um, Issues of poor fat digestion, which are things like very light colored or even gray stools, um, an oil slick in the toilet bowl. Those kind of things will tell you you're eating more fat than your body can digest. All right. So I would uh, add lots of salt and water and add more fat. And then let's see where this goes. All right. Appreciate your comments. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. We, um, we are going to get our guest on here. I see it. That calls being screened right now. So we, um, we are going to bring the guest on. I will probably get back to some calls. We're, uh, it's a little crazy here this morning. That's all I can say. Yes. I screwed this up. Um, this was user error again on my part. It's been kind of a crazy week. Um, but with all that being said, we are bringing on our guest. It is the founder of Nastic, David Owen. David, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's good to be back. Good to hear your voice. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard what was going on this morning, but I kind of failed to, um, tell the team of our plans today. You and I kind of made these plans on our own. This is why they don't give me the keys to anything. Well, they, uh, <laughs> I don't even want to go. <laughs> We've survived a tornado and a blizzard the last two, three weeks. And down here we got, uh, we got about eight inches of snow, and then it iced over, and it hadn't been above 22 degrees for about five days. So we're, we didn't have water in our building number two until about 10 minutes ago, and I've got a new energy survival training class up there tomorrow. Oh, boy. Uh, are you sure you're so, not in Oregon? Because you just described our weather. <laughs> well, no, but y'all... Y'all can take care of that kind of thing uh, in about a, a couple of hours. It takes us a couple of weeks, and sometimes longer than that. You'd be a little surprised where where we are. It's we have really really mild winters. People don't realize we we don't get this kind of weather. We were down in low single digits, so we, I've got a burst pipe out at the farm. I got to go deal with. Uh, I was running back and forth since last Friday between the two properties. We're either out of water, out of power. Uh, things were freezing. We had um, 60 to 80 mile an hour winds here in the gorge with snow. And we've probably got 10 plus inches of stuff on the ground that is now just frozen solid. And you walk on top of it and you don't even leave a mark. Wow. And that's the way it is here. And it's supposed to, we've got another system 
uh, I, the Weather Channel says it's going to hit us uh, the, tonight, tomorrow, but I'm betting the don'ts. I think it's going to miss us and go just slightly north of us. Uh, but everybody else is everybody else goes bonkers here when when this happens. So <laughs> can't find a roll of toilet paper anywhere, and there's no bread in the shelves. And anyhow, yeah. But we're we other than that, we're doing just fine. Well, well, good. It sounds like we're both dealing with the same thing, but we're both here at work, and uh, we'll just do the best we can. Well, I was. Uh, I'm thrilled that we didn't have to cancel the thing because we were. We were going to have to make a decision in the next couple of hours to call the ones that are still coming. We've had a lot of cancellations. This is going to be a pretty small class, but still got about 20, 22 uh, that are mostly from the south. Yeah. <laughs> Most of our guys, are <laughs> Minneapolis and Indiana, who are going to catch this second round. Uh, they've canceled, I believe. But yeah. anyhow, we're going to do it. If there's only eight of them, we'll, we'll do it. They'll get the same thing if it, they'd get if there were 75 in there. So That's right. Maybe even better. I talked to one of your people today, uh, Dale Williams. Yeah. Called yeah. me. And uh, he was, uh, he's, he's, I got some good feedback. I hope he got some good feedback. I'm sending him some stuff and we'll be talking, but uh, he's, you know, he's like everybody else. Everybody else is, and you know, he's in Illinois. He's a, south of Spring Springfield. I think it's Springfield, Illinois. And uh, the uh, he's having the worst time finding good people to drive his trucks. And uh, and that's true for everybody, particularly in a state like Illinois, where they I don't know what do you what is the uh, uh, minimum wage in Illinois these days? About twenty two dollars. I you know I can't remember you may or may not remember this because you and i talked about so many things over the last several months especially when i was down there together Um, i actually talked about dale with you he's in uh, our group coaching program and we went through i I tore his business apart inside and out upside down every way i could look at it I, i can't find anything they're doing wrong Really, I I was very impressed. Family-run business, been around forever, had a lot of trucks at one point. Um, And when I I was frustrated because I thought, what am I missing here? I I feel like I'm missing something. And then he made the statement that that started to make more sense. He said there were some bigger companies around him that that does exactly what they do, and they've lost even more drivers than, than he had. And he said, everybody here is dealing with this. And I, I said, you know, I, I just can't find anything you're doing wrong. And they were running such a good business. They're, they're paying a good wage. Drivers are home every night. I mean, I, this is an operation where if I didn't know better, I would have looked at that and said, you should have zero driver turnover and you should have a waiting list. Exactly. That's it. And, that, and and going back, you know, I think he's second or third generation at that company. So it's not like uh, uh, it's not like they don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. It's just that, you know, um, in today's world, uh, the old models aren't going to work when we have such a downturn. Uh, I hate the term. It's trite now. Perfect storm. You're right. Uh, when you've got. Uh, the, the things lined up exactly like they are. I told him halfway kidding, but only halfway. I told him my first advice was be for him to get the hell out of Illinois and come south. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, 
<laughs> you know, and that sounds drastic, but but sometimes it's not. I mean, I, I, I've I moved my trucking business twice for reasons like that, uh, and both times it it worked out better for me. But that I get it. That's a big decision. This is a family business, like you said, third generation. You know, here's something else. I, a lot of people I'm dealing with right now are struggling because they have never seen a downturn in their business. They don't know how to handle right. it. They've never been through one. We haven't had one in so long. But this is a family that, that has made it through multiple downturns. They know how to do this. That's why I was so shocked and frustrated when I was trying to work with them because everything I thought of, they had already tried. They had already thought of all that stuff. They, they were... Like I said, running a really good business, and it's shocking um, how fast this happened and, and how many drivers they lost and how that whole industry in that area is suffering the same thing. Well, you're right. And uh, unfortunately, with stuff like AB5 and uh, mandatory uh, pre-CDL um, uh, training and, uh, and almost seems like every issue – that comes to the plate now. Uh, I don't even want to go to the cost of equipment or the interest rate, right. or the cost of or cost of money. I, I'm baffled as to, uh, uh, you know. I think I tell you who's going to be the heroes once again, and and Dale I think will be one of them. But at the end of the day, when it turns around, I think he'll be driving two or three trucks, and he'll be driving one of them. I I think you're right and that's kind of what i wanted to talk with you about the little bit of time we have left today we have another show that comes up at the top of the hour but you and i have been talking about a lot of things we've got some pretty exciting stuff going on in the background and my open today was about two of the big issues i'm watching ab5 type laws the pro act at the federal level which will create an ab5 like environment across the entire country uh, and the broker transparency issue, they're being pushed by the same groups. And, and I'm just wondering if they've stepped back to say, if we push this PRO Act like they're doing, these groups, trucking groups, they don't want it to be okay to lease to a carrier. That, that model's worked just fine for decades. I don't see why we would mess with it. it it's another option. It seems to work great in my book. One way or another, we'll figure it out. If they push the PRO Act, do they not see the fact that the, the biggest beneficiary of this is going to be the broker industry? Uh, I, I don't think they see anything. They, I think they take advice from the wrong people. They, they don't. Everything they've tried, Kevin, over the last 23 years, as long as FMCSC has been around, Everything that they've come out with always preambles. This is going to be really hard for small carriers and owner operators. Yeah, and and then they follow it. Uh, we're sorry about the unintended consequences, and then they got to go right on with their nonsense. And the truth of the matter, half of it has no reason for being tried at all, except some congressman or somebody inside the Beltway at Wash in Washington thinks they know something about trucking and safety. And the truth of the matter is, they don't have a clue. So I don't know that we're ever, and the, and the starting point, really, if you get right down to it, everybody says, agrees, I think, the starting point is tort reform. Until we, until we get some uh, semblance of, of fairness and uh, on the value of a human life, 
And going back to the good old days where you actually looked at skid marks and actually looked to see who was at fault before you put something in front of a jury where they're going to give a $80 million verdict. Uh, we've got a carrier right now that's probably going to have to file Chapter 11, go take personal bankruptcy. And he's been a, his his safety numbers are immaculate. His turnover rates immaculate. His operating ratio is wonderful. He's uh, everything about him is good. And he had a horrible accident uh, about two two years ago, and it, it was in his opinion. Of course, I, I can understand plaintiff. His driver had a heart attack, stroke, a seizure, or some kind of event, and lost control of the truck. It went across the median and hit it. It hit a, another truck and killed the driver of an SUV. Horrible! Everything burst into flames. It was just a horrible, horrible accident. And uh, he says, the owner says, you know, we we understand that that's a wrongful death. That guy should not have died, and it's not not his fault that he died. But I don't know how it's our fault either. There was no negligence involved. Correct. It's right. a horrible thing. But the 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 jury started out at thirty four million. Oh, oh, that and uh, and and they they finally got it down to five million. But he he's going to have to bankrupt at five million. And uh, and it and 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 all, all they're doing is <clears throat> they're capping down to the to the damn billboard ambulance chasers out it, there. The lawyer involved is going to get a couple of million, and ain't no telling. It, I don't want to say that. Ain't no telling what the rest of the people in the food chain are going to get. Well, uh, but it but it it's it's just a, one of those sad stories that was in, in my opinion. I feel sorry for everybody. Alias is an act of God. Yeah, bad things are going to happen in our world. They just do. We we can't insure against everything. But let's think about this. I, I'm a big believer in giving large sums of money to people that have never had large sums of money. Never ends well. We think that oh, what a wonderful thing this guy's got. He's going to get all this money or the family because he's gone. I mean, the family, somebody's going to get a bunch of money over this. That's not a good thing. Now, I am completely for making people whole after this. That, that's what is supposed to happen. We need to make them whole. The family, it was not their fault. It, but $34 million goes so far beyond making somebody whole. It's insane. This, this person would have never earned $34 million at one shot ever. Why do we think we need to give them $34 million? Well, when FMCSA first came into existence around 1999-2000, about the same time that Warner went on ELDs and Bill Clinton... Uh, was in the White House. The The value of human life in court cases in trucking litigation was like a million and a half. Yeah. Which is, you know, and, and today, it, it you can look it up. It's, it's, a, it's public knowledge, but the government thinks 
a human life today is worth like $25 million. That, that just makes absolutely no sense. And really the only beneficiaries of these, I, I don't see the people getting these big settlements being a beneficiary. The, the only beneficiaries I see really are the attorneys. Well, this, just to take it one step further, in this particular case, the, uh, the, drive, the guy that got killed uh, was in one state. The accident was in a second state. Oh, boy. And the trucking company owner was domiciled in a third state. Oh. Now, I know for work comp claims, the, the person that's filing the worker's comp claim can file in any one of those three locations. Well, the two locations other than his home state have a ceiling on claims of like a million and a half. And the state that he's suing in has no ceiling. Of course. Yeah. So What a mess. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Anyhow. David, in the, the little bit of time we've got left, I, I, I you know, we, we can outline the problems. I think we've done that. We, we see what's going on in the industry and what could be coming. Um, I, I'm more excited about some of the things you and I are, are working on together that could actually make these things better. Well, baby steps, you know, one step at a time, but it's, uh, you know, we're going to be an overnight success, although we started working on this 35 years ago. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it looks like it's our time. I've I put a label on it. I've put a name on it. And uh, quite frankly, just between me and me and you and your listeners, uh, the AB5 ruling is going to force one guy, one truck owner operators to go get their own authority. Yep. And... Uh, and uh, that's what we're talking about helping. We're calling them ROTCs, remarkable one-truck companies. And we think if they'll take a little bit of our knowledge and work it into their business plan and take a little bit of your knowledge and work it into their business plan and let us do some things and be part of a larger group, we think that we can get their CSA numbers in single digits, their driver turnover in single digits, uh, cut their insurance in half, and get their operating ratios down in the high 70s. Now, that's what I think we can do, and I think you agree with me. Now, the proof's in the pudding, but uh, I'm telling you, uh, we've got, we've already got, uh, <laughs> we've already got about 4,000 trucks on our program without Kevin Rutherford's second half which is of tremendous value. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. And, I, and, and, I'm not, and I'm not worried about it one iota, about it being a better master, mousetrap, being a better model, and being able to do all those things. We're going to really be able to help one guy, one truck owner operators run under their own authority and get better paying freight, safe, pay less for insurance, and have better safety numbers. And that's what this is about. I absolutely and uh, like you said um, we've talked about this a lot you and I really have spent about 35 years getting to this place where we could help people and it, it seems like the timing is really good look I, I, I'm not for any of these changes I, I would rather just see the AB5 stuff go away let people lease the carriers I think it's a good model it gives people another option um, but they're not. They're, they're going to push this broker issue, and, and they seem to be winning. Um, the good news is you and I have got Plan B just sitting there waiting to pull the trigger. Well, 
I think that, uh, you know, everything's so geopolitical. Our, our, our politics is so upside down and uh, small business unfriendly. Um, the current administration wants everybody to be an employer of somebody's, and they want everybody to be a member of a union. Well, we don't, and we don't believe in that in the small trucking business. And if we did, there wouldn't be any small trucks. That's right. What those guys don't understand is J.B. Hunt started with one truck. Almost all a full truckload long haul carriers start with one truck. You you choke the life out of that model. And you're killing the very people that bailed us out during COVID. Those are the, our guys are the ones that kept us from having shortages in fuel, medicine, and food. That's right. And went out there every day and risked their lives and their families' health to get stuff done. And this is the thanks we get. I am sick and tired of these clowns in the Beltway uh, saying that they they care a whit about competition or small businesses. They don't. You're right. They don't. Every one of their actions proves that they don't. The interesting thing is that you and I have been here before. This isn't the first time that they've tried to, to really put um, small trucking businesses out of business. They've predicted that they're going to go away. I can't count how many times I've heard somebody say in the last 35 years, the owner operator model's dead. It, no, it's not. You know, on the other hand, we know the statistics that the vast majority of the freight in this country gets moved by very, very small trucking companies. And and that's the way we want to keep it. We, we don't want this to become a, a industry of only the giants. Um, you mentioned J.B. Hunt. The, the, the biggest one, Swift started with one truck. Why would we want to get rid of that model that's really worked so well? Well, the... <laughs> It's 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 idiotic, really. And uh, our guys, the one guy, one truck. These are OTC guys, remarkable one truck companies with remarkable one truck business plans. They're the safest drivers in America, and uh, they. Uh, I mean, I don't. Now, I would like to clarify one thing. When you and I are talking, we're talking about a niche of trucking. We're not talking about yellow roadway. We're Correct. not talking about it, FedEx. We're not talking. We're not even talking about Swift, uh, Knight, or or uh, Schneider, or anybody else. We're not talking about logistics companies. Right. We're talking about full truckload, long haul, irregular route, small carriers, and those are the guys that take a load a thousand miles and get it there in a day and a half and do it safe and better than anybody else. And they're going to continue doing that. Uh, when we started, I'm sick and tired of people telling me I can't do something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather them say, "Well, you're going to have a hard time doing that." And I understand that we're going to have a hard time doing this. Yes, we but are. We, hey, when Buster and I started Nastic, they told us you can't do that. It's not going to work. There won't be any small trucking companies to talk to in two or three years. That was 1989, for God's sake. David, you know how many times when when I first came up with the idea of my owner-operator small carrier training program, the CMC, uh, you know, I, I thought I, I need to go talk to people in the industry about this. I need to see if this is really viable. Nobody's ever done it. I looked around. There were no training programs like this anywhere. Uh, and I said, well, there kind of was yours, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, <laughs> it, you know, when you started, it wasn't. 
Right. There, there, there was things. nothing. So I, I asked people, things. I asked fleet owners, I asked people that I thought knew more about the industry than I did. And unfortunately, it's a good thing I didn't listen to them because everybody said, are, are you insane? You think you're going to get an owner operator to pay a thousand dollars and come sit through two or three or four days of training. We can't even get them to come to a one hour safety meeting on Saturday if we bribe them. So I, I was told over and over and over, it's never going to work. I'm glad I didn't listen to him. I'll never forget the day that uh, we had. I had a good friend. His name was Marshall Brown. I think Marshall's uh, uh, left us it now, but he he was a he was a really smart guy and a really good guy. And he wrote insurance for Gail Smith in Nashville. And uh, when I got involved with this, when we first started Nasty, Marshall was my kind of. You know, my, my I'd bounce everything off of Marshall. And so 1991, we started NASTIC in, uh, in uh, 89. 1991, we were a year and a half in, and we were still in the bunker, just me and Buster. And I went to Marshall, and I said, Marshall, Buster and I seem to think we can do this drug, drug testing program. He said, oh, my God, Owens. He said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You can't do that. You can't do that. You, you, he said, David, I love you like a brother, but walk, run. Don't walk away from that. There's going to be litigation, and, you know, you can't. You, you've got some good ideas, but that's not one of them. Please don't do that. <laughs> I went back to Buster, and I said, well, I got bad news. Smartest man I know told me we were crazy. <laughs> Buster standing around looking at his, at the bunker, and he got two phones, a fax machine, and two folding chairs. And his he lived there, and all around the room. I said he he said there's going to be lawsuits and people going to be sued. And I, he looked around and says, David, what the hell are they going to get? Shit and tennis shoes. <laughs> That's one good way of looking at it. And I said, well, let's try. And you know what? We haven't missed a beat, and we have carried FMCSA's water on drug and alcohol testing for 34, 33 years. We've done more good in that area than any other one company in America. Yes, you and, have. Uh, and uh, and we help small one, two, five truck companies, ten truck companies, less than less than a hundred truck companies do do it right. We do it exactly right, and we do everything for them. And uh, we don't. We've got, like I say, I think we've got over four thousand, maybe forty five hundred people on our drug and alcohol testing program now. And we don't have. I don't think we have a single one that's over the limbo bar on that basic in CSA. Well, I think both of us have a track record of uh, of taking things that people say can't be done in this industry and doing it, and and lots of people benefiting from it. So. I'm really excited that you and I are going to take on another task that they'll probably tell us we can't do. Um, I'm more confident about this one than, than any I've ever been uh, a part of in the past. So you and I are going to be talking a lot more about this. We've got some pretty big announcements coming up here pretty soon. Um, can't let too much out right now. Um, what do you say we wrap this up today by taking a call from somebody that wants to talk about their numbers? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Let's uh, let's go to Nevada. Don, welcome. Oh, good morning, Kevin. Hey, How Don, you, 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 you got lucky. You get a two for today. You get David and I. Oh, hey, good Don. morning, David. How are you? I'm good, man. 
My idea was since we heard from Dale yesterday and uh, Matt last week on numbers for uh, owner operators with their own authority, I said, uh, let's throw out some uh, lease to Landstar numbers. Excellent. Love to do that. So we can, because I know that's a big part of your tribe here. And, you know, let's, it's not all bad like everybody thought, as you can see. Exactly. Listen, I, I, I would, we're, we're reading the same mail. I would like to, Kevin, who would you talk to at Landstar uh, about the impact? You know that uh, the Biden administration rolled back um, Trump's safe haven on AB5. I know. I know. Last week. Um, now, that has a, I don't think that's uh, hit everybody's. We're too busy trying to the forest fires to, to come up with what they're doing in Washington but uh, that's a big that's a big I'd like to know what Landstar is doing about that because of all the people out there the Landstar it seems like to me would it be impacted more it, with that than anybody else they will because of their size you know there, there's two carriers um, I've been involved with for years and years that are kind of unique in this um, Landstar is one of them but I would say that Landstar is in the best position of all to make this transition and here's why I, I have said this for years I've said if, if you want to practice run at having your own authority without all the risk Go lease to Landstar for a year because it's as close as you're ever going to get to having your own authority without having your own authority. They let you run the business like it's totally yours. They just handle all that back office stuff, and and it's a really good model. Here's what I see Landstar doing. Um, If the government pulls the trigger on the PRO Act, Landstar is going to have people get up from their their landstar trucking desk and walk over to their landstar brokerage desk and all of their bcos will go get authority and nothing will change they'll move the same freight through the same people it's it'll just be a paperwork shuffle for landstar is all it looks like to me and i would say that landstar's bcos are are ideal for this because I've always looked at them as a step above. It's a little harder to work under their model. You got to be a little more self-sufficient. And so, so I think Landstar, like you and I, we've kind of been preparing for this for a long time. Landstar's model almost, this isn't a huge problem for them the way I see it. I agree. I think they'll thrive under it. Matter of fact, they were the first ones to come to the table and, and they were the first ones to come to the table and uh, and tell the their capacity owners if you're domiciled in California, go get your own authority because we can't we can't we can't keep you in our group uh, under unless you got your own authority. Right. They did, they did that a year and a half ago. Yeah, and and like I say, I think they're in a better position than anybody to make that transition. Their infrastructure is already built for it. Their BCOs are are more used to that, you know, closer to that model. So I I think it's a a fairly easy transition for them. And I can't wait to make this. I've been making this case now on their behalf for about 25 years now, 23 years anyhow. I did a study when CSA came out, no, 13 years ago, and I got everybody's safety numbers, uh, fatalities, crashes, that kind of number. Right. And I rated the top 36 full truckload long-haul carriers, and uh, 
the third safest was Landstar. And they were way, 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 they were three times, numbers were three times healthier than some of the big names that we've mentioned already in this in this conversation. Uh, and, uh, I mean, three times. My algorithm, they they were 3.8. The lower the number, the better. They were at 3.8. And uh, well, I'll just tell you the worst. Uh, the worst one on my little deal was right here in Nashville, and they were twenty twenty one point something. So wow. Landstar six times safer according to the safety numbers than that particular company in Nashville, which is was the most unsafe trucking company of the yeah. large thirty six in full truckload I, in twenty ten. I believe that completely. I've, I've, I've been a big fan of Landstar's model for a long, long time. You know, it, I could almost make the comparison that, that Landstar, in a lot of ways, did what you and I are talking about doing now. That They kind of created a, a, a almost a franchise model in trucking and said, if you come over here and you're willing to put in some hard work, we've got a good system. And it, it's worked really well. So I... I we're really going to do that same thing on a much bigger scale. It, and I believe we are absolutely going to see all the same benefits. We're going to see um, remarkable one-truck companies who have fantastic safety ratings. They have great profit margins. And it's just going to be good for the industry. I'm excited about it. We're going to quit talking about it here in about 30 days and actually start uh, gathering numbers and, and, and leveraging the idea uh, in more ways than one. Uh, I'm speaking at a conference in Houston, a bunch of insurance people, and, uh, and uh, I think I had you know, 40 or 50 small trucking companies, and uh, they've invited me to come down there, and that's, this, that's going to be one of our big topics. You know, you know why Landstar is, uh, you know, the thing that I like about Landstar, a couple of things. They don't own any equipment. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and guess why they've been able to operate as efficiently and as effectively. I mean, you don't think they're doing well. Check their stock history out. It's oh, gone yeah. from the mid-20s to almost $200 a share. But the uh, they, they eliminated the most expensive man in the equation. Yes. Called a dispatcher. That's right. Exactly. The dispatcher. They don't. How many dispatchers does Knight Swift have? Oh, I can't even imagine. Three or four hundred, five hundred, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's got to be a lot. Well, that's the most expensive man in a trucking company, I think. Sure is. Yeah, when you look well, at it, 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 it sure is. And, and Landstar had Landstar, a great model. Landstar didn't have any. They don't have any dispatchers. The driver dispatches himself. And they were 25 years ahead of themselves, and uh, I think that I think they're going to dominate the that marketplace for a long, long time. You know, a uh, we got a you and I could do this all day long. Uh, we do sometimes, but uh, we do have to move along. We got another show coming up. We we do have a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about soon. I'm going to be on your podcast again. We'll be uh, we'll be talking about this a lot. One other. Just a little interesting piece on Landstar. My father's last job as a union driver before he bought his last truck uh, and retired as an owner-operator was with Spectre. At the time, Spectre was the fifth largest um, trucking company in the United States. 
And when Spectre went out of business, it was several executives from Spectre that went and started Landstar. And one of them had a computer system that they, uh, <laughs> that they all they all hooked up in. That's right. And, uh, and uh, I don't, I'm not sure which one it was. There was a guy from uh, Roadway, and there was a guy from uh, Mercer. Right. Uh, there were several companies involved in that. And, uh, boy, one of them had, and they had to, they all had different computer systems. So they had, one of the first decisions they had to make was uh, whose computer system are we going to wake? And they made the right choice, thank God. Because they were way, way, way ahead of the game uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. A guy by the name of Crow was the CEO. Yeah, Jeff Crow, wasn't it? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yep, I remember that. All right, David, good stuff. I wish we had more time today, but this is one of our short days. So uh, we'll be doing this again real soon, and we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Thank you, Kevin, for having me on. Hey, real quick, because I, I can't keep track of my own schedule. When am I supposed to be on your podcast? When are we doing that? At 2.30 today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got forgotten. They went off in the room. All right. All right. We, um, we are going to wrap this up. Um, David, again, thanks for joining us. Sure. We'll be doing this again real soon. Okay, Kevin. You take care. You too. Take care. All right. Uh, we are going to turn this over to Rolling Toe right now um, and we're just going to continue on with this show so we don't even need to um, we don't need to close this out all I'm going to do is uh, play the music again just so we kind of have a starting point and I'm going to turn this over to the Becketts for Rolling Toe remember this is a call-in radio show uh, we do depend on calls so start dialing if you have any kind of tire alignment, handling related questions, vibrations. They love vibration calls. Uh, pick up the phone and join them. In fact, do it right now. 319-527-6791 or hit the call now button on your app. Jump in and uh, give them some calls to work with. All right. We will see you back here tomorrow for Trucking Technology and Efficiency. Uh, the Beckets are up with Rolling Toe right now. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.